0: And welcome back to another episode of Nakata Presents, the official podcast for Nakata, the global community for academic advising. In this podcast, we host a series of topics where we get to take a deep dive into them through the conversations of our wonderful guests. We have a new series starting with this episode, so I'm going to turn it over to the amazing Casey Gregerson, Senior Academic Advisor at University of Minnesota, Twin Cities. Casey, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing all right, Matt. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm doing great. So tell listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Um, So as you said, I'm Casey Gregerson. Um, I use she, her pronouns, and I am a senior academic advisor at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities, and I work specifically with students admitted to chemical engineering and material science. Um, I'm also the chair of the advising community for well-being and advisory retention, um, which is more of why I'm here today. So um, I'm nervous, excited, all those different emotions right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And very well, yeah, a lot (laughs) lot of different emotions, but I think this is a fantastic series that you and your team are starting. So I'm going to go ahead and just go ahead and turn it over to you. So take it away and enjoy.
1: All right. Thanks, Matt. Um, So today I am joined by some members of the steering committee for the advising community for well-being and advisory retention. Um, Edna Renee Macbeth from Virginia Commonwealth University. Edna Renee is a senior advisor in university academic advising at Virginia Commonwealth University, or VCU. She's been working in academic advising since 2001, first at the University of Virginia and later at VCU. Her senior advisor role includes advising first-year students and mentoring advisors. Edna Renee has been active in NACADA currently serving as the lead for regional liaisons in the well-being and advisory retention community. And she does other things, but she didn't put that on her bio. <laughs> Edna Renee loves reading, traveling and pop culture. Hello, Edna Renee, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, I'm excited. <laughs> We're also joined by Olivia Miller from the University of Missouri, Kansas City. Olivia is a senior academic advisor for graduate programs at the Block School of Management, and I hope I said that correctly, at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. Prior to this role, she advised under, undergraduate business students at the University of Kansas and liberal arts students at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Within NACADA, she currently serves as co-lead of research for the advising community for well-being and advisory Retention and has served as the Nebraska liaison in Region 6. She currently serves on the Region 7 Conference Committee as pre-conference and proposal chair, which is really challenging to read when you're a little nervous. In her free time, Olivia enjoys reading, running, and cheering on her hometown Kansas City sports teams. Thank
2: you for joining us, Olivia, hello. Hello, and thank you. And yes, you said it right, block, just like h <laughs> block.
1: Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> and Lizzie Harmon from the University of Washington. Lizzie is currently serving as the Clue program manager at the University of Washington, where she trains and hires 50 multidisciplinary tutors to support students. Prior to joining Clue, she served as the assistant director of student success and advising at Western Oregon University, where she developed a passion for working with students facing barriers to their education. Lizzie has been active in Nakata, presenting at the region eight conference in 2019 and was named best of region and then presented at the annual conference in Kentucky. She also serves as the innovative practice advisor lead within the advising community for well-being and advisor retention. Lizzie enjoys being outdoors, spending time with family and friends and enjoying a hot cup of coffee without interruption. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm really ex- excited to be here. I'm excited for all of you to be joining me on this. Um, in this upcoming series, we're hoping to tackle some pretty big topics, and we'll give you a sneak preview of some of those later. To start, we thought it would be beneficial to define wellness and well-being. So according to Gallup, wellness is a healthy lifestyle beyond acute illness, while, while well-being encompasses the broader, excuse me, broader holistic dimensions of a well-lived life. Gallup says that can include career, social, financial, physical, and community. So before we start our conversation, I feel like I should give a caveat, which is, and panelists, you can say whether you agree or disagree, we're not the experts on (laughs) well-being. And they're all all agreeing with me. Um when Matt and I were talking about h- how the podcast would go, he actually said at one point, Well, you're the experts. And I bursted out laughing. <laughs> um, <laughs> because um my spouse has actually said, with me being the chair of this, um, I believe it was literally, How are you the expert on well-being? <laughs> and so I mean a lot of love there, right? <laughs> but we're just navigating this all with you. So, but the flip side of that is we're trying to encourage conversations about it instead of having these conversations behind closed doors. So, let's start with how do you define well being in yourself? And Edna Renee, let's start with you.
3: I'm glad you started out with saying we aren't experts um, because I hadn't really thought about that question until you asked us. Um, I sometimes had used wellness and well-being as synonyms, Um, we pointed out that they're not. Um, But uh, I think I I come back when when I think of my own well-being and why it's important to something I've been hearing more and more of since the pandemic started, hurt people hurt people. And the last thing I want to do is, is hurt a student or hurt a colleague and then Seeing my colleagues hurting also bothers me. So I think that's kind of how I backed into it. Um, I sometimes am do as I say, not as I do. So I'm also kind of reflecting on myself that I need to be a little bit better about that. Um, my supervisors, um, I've had more than one recently, have called me on the um, why are you still here. You're on vacation, don't come to the meeting. Um, so I'm still kind of learning myself, but I do think it's important um, for us to take the best care of each other that we also have to take care of ourselves.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um,
2: Olivia, how about you? Yeah, so for me, well being is taking care of myself physically, mentally, emotionally and just making sure that I take the steps to ensure that I have that in my life. Um, So for me, that prioritizes work-life balance. However, that might come into play day by day. Um, And really, I am someone that thrives off of a routine or a schedule. So the past umpteen months has been challenging. Um, But I try my best to just take it day by day and making sure that i have a schedule that allows for enough sleep and exercise so then i can take on the next day as best as i can and then also too well-being can also sometimes mean doing nothing so i think we have kind of as a society we always have to be on the go and doing something and on the weekends i just like to sleep i get up have my breakfast saturday and then hang out for a couple hours Eat again, and then I go down for my Saturday nap, um, which to me is my own well being because then I'm recharging and getting ready for the week ahead. So, um, and again, with that, it's different for everyone. So, I think just focusing on finding what works best for you and also knowing your well being might change with where you're at in life. That I mean, my well being in grad school was very different to what my well-being practice is now and probably will change again in the future. Yeah,
1: thank you for that, Olivia. And I think especially the doing nothing, um I have been trying to be more mindful of like being okay with not baking for or you know doing all the things on Saturday and Sunday, but just taking some time for myself and reading the new Renee Brown book as an example. <laughs> so um, Lizzie, how about
4: you? Okay. Well, if I could just say everything everybody else said, that'd be great. Um, uh, because I also struggled with, I don't actually know how I define well-being. And so, um, I like was really struggling over this this morning, but I also really like what, um, and Renee and Olivia said. And so I'll jump off of that to say, I think to me, well-being is whole health. Um, and it's everything that goes into your health. I think, um, to like what Olivia said, you know, it's your, Mental, physical, emotional, spiritual well-being, um, everything that goes into that. I think well-being and are, and I'm really struggling, again, to like how to put this together in like a succinct way, because I don't know if there's a succinct way for me to say it. But I think to me, I think whole health well-being is encompasses things that you do and then things that also affect you. Um, and I think those go hand in hand because I think there are things in your life work life, personal life, family life, um, that affect you. And then you do things to either enhance, maintain, um, combat some of those things to to be in this place of whole health. Um, and I think ultimately you're looking for a balance, um, where you've kind of feel like everything is in, in balance, um, and in concert with one another. And I will say, I don't know if I ever feel that way. I think you are always going for that goal of feeling like your life is in balance or your well being is in balance. And there, I think there is definitely moments and pockets where you are like, "Oh, that's it. This is the balance. This is the piece that I've looking, I've been looking for." Um, and you are doing things, I think, um, overall to try and get to that point of whole health and peace in that. So I don't know if that was a really coherent answer, but whole
1: health, I think, is what I'll come and sum up to. I, I like that, Lizzie. Um, so, and that kind of, I think, leads nicely into the next question of um, taking it a step further and how do you see well-being in your advising practice? So, Olivia, do you mind starting this one?
2: Sure. So, for me, when it comes to my advising practice, it's about trying my best to set boundaries and doing what I can and up to my limit. Um, And so with that, I don't check email outside of work hours. That's been a very hard and strict rule for me. Um, And then I also try my best to not overthink and worry about students in specific situations outside of work, which is very difficult because I'm always in my head. And during the pandemic, there have been specific student situations that I'm constantly in Was worrying about them after I logged off for the day. Um, So trying my best to create those boundaries of I work when I work and then I take care of myself outside of those work hours so then I can do it all over again the next day. Um, But specifically in working with students in actual advising I always start off asking students, how are they doing? How are they feeling? How is the semester going, depending on when the semester is? And at the start of the pandemic, it would be about half of the appointment time was just talking about that um, because it was such a sudden shift for everyone. And so for me, it's really important to know how the students are doing, how is their well being outside of the classroom because we know things that are happening outside are affecting what's going on in the classroom. Um, And then also to just well-being kind of overall, I try to explain to students when they are worrying about something, about a grade or a paper or the next move that they're thinking about, um, to try and paint a picture that, yes, this is a current worry and anxiety pressure point, but to kind of paint that big picture of, This is just one short chapter in your long life story that at the end of that story, this decision in this moment might not have as much weight. So to try your best to not be as anxious and worked up about it, which I always say is easier said than done, but to remind them that this is just one day, this is just one point and we have a lot more days left. Um, So trying to, implement that in my own day-to-day life of taking it day by day and doing my best so then that way i can help students do their best and be at their best day by day as well
1: i really i like that kind of putting things into perspective and i think that can be really helpful in a lot of areas of life Um, lizzie do you have anything to add
4: yeah um i actually really like What you said earlier, Edna Renee, about um, hurt people hurting people. Um, And I have found that to be something that um, has really resonated with me over the years that well being and self care, I think if you, I think it's always thought of as this personal experience that it only affects you. And that's not the case. Um, I think if you aren't, Finding a balance in your well being or taking care of yourself, I think it's a lot harder to show up for other people. Um, and I know that in my advising practice, um, I know that when my well being is affected or I'm feeling out of balance, um, it absolutely affects how I show up for students. It affects how I show up for my colleagues um, and at home, how, it show, how I show up for my partner. And so I think it's one of those things that. Um, I'm constantly looking for ways, even when we're in like really bad moments or things just are feeling really, I'm feeling really drained. Is still trying to remember, I have to prioritize this. Um, I have a a tutor right now that I'm advising who um, I can notice on days when I'm in balance. And I think that's my theme today is balance. Um, When I notice that I'm in balance, I have a lot more patience and grace. Um, when I'm out of balance, it's not that I don't have those things, but I think I'm quicker to um internally be frustrated with our conversation. And then I think I leave those conversations um like disappointed and like walk away and walk into my supervisor's office and be like, man, that didn't go well. Um, and I think it it is it's not solely because my well being is an imbalance, but I think it's partially that my well being is an imbalance and um i think the other thing that i i always am wanting to think about with with supervising um undergraduate tutors and and mentoring and advising them is um encouraging them to prioritize their well-being i work with a lot of high achieving folks um in the stem fields um and that comes with its own set of challenges and I am constantly saying, like, please take care of yourself. Please take care of yourself. Prioritize your well-being. And I think a lot of the times they're like, yeah, 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 whatever, lady. Um, but I think one day, and occasionally I get a message back from them that says, "Thanks for encouraging me to do this." and And those are the moments that I think are really beneficial because I think to what Casey said earlier, we are not the experts. Um, I think we're Excited and passionate about talking about the subject, and we want to normalize this conversation. And I think the more that we can do that with the people in our work life, where we're talking about well-being and how to stay in balance and how to find that um, those forms of self-care to take care of ourselves is is just really important. So I I find that that's also a really important part of my advising practice is encouraging other people and students to do it um, as well, and hopefully destigmatizing this idea that it's. indulgent or selfish um, in some way. So, yeah.
1: Thank you, um, Lizzie. And Edna, Renee, do you have
3: anything to add? Uh, Actually, yes. First, um, (laughs) Lizzie made me wish I had time to tell a story about one of my favorite professors and how basically she was making me do self-care before it was a thing because I was one of those high achieving students. Um, But if you bump into me at a conference, ask me about Dr. Hickman and I'll tell you. Um, We have time now, Edna Renee. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, When I was a junior, At the Jepson School of Leadership Studies, which is a a whole school of people who are overachievers, um, my mentor slash second mother on campus, Dr. Hickman, was one of the professors. And I was in her office trying to set up a time for something. Um, And I had my planner in front of me, and we were struggling to find a time. She pulls my planner out of my hand, and she's flipping through it. And she's like, this is ridiculous. When I was in school, I just went to class and played cards. You know what? I'm going to teach you how to say no. And she did teach me how to say no. Um, I, I'm not as good as some other things, but but I did kind of pick up on the, on the no thing. Um, and that really probably did help me in undergrad to not be but so overwhelmed. Um, so thank you, Dr. Hickman. Um, but I do also want to go back to something Olivia said when it thought when thinking about how I do this in my advising practice and I hadn't really thought about it until listening to her and then realizing what I often do after I have those really heavy conversations with students with students who had horrible semesters or in situations that in that meeting that goes way over 30 minutes there's a lot of stuff they have to do and usually at the end of that meeting and they usually have a to-do list of like five things I say okay we, we talked through a lot. Today was a lot. Before you do anything, I want you to go to Starbucks and get your favorite drink. I want you to go outside or hang out with a friend. And just sit for five minutes and take a deep breath, and it's okay. You do not have to immediately leave here and do the things. After you've had your coffee, after you've had your moment, if you need to, after you've had your cry, then, okay, here's the order we're going to work on this. But please first take a moment um, and get your drink have your cry, call your friend, and then do the rest of this. This is not that much of a hurry. I want you to take care of you. I often also say sometimes at the beginning of those conversations is you are the most important thing. Academics is second. We'll figure out academics later. You are the most important thing. Let's start with you. Um, Starbucks might like that I send them to Starbucks in our library after <laughs> we talk, but it's just kind of the important of t- take a few minutes to do something for you that's not tied to this list, and then come back to this list.
1: I love that. Um, I have noticed, and I'm, I actually I know it's because of this community, um, I've been really big on encouraging students to just take a deep breath like while we're in that moment. And I also encourage, I have a seven-year-old daughter, and she's always being told, hey, Eliana, you need to take a deep breath right now. (laughs) And so, um, so yeah, I know like this community has just kind of trickled into all areas of my life. (laughs) So um, I feel like I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, because um, from what we were, we've just been talking about, I, I feel like this is a good, time to actually explain a little bit of the background with the advising community. Um, so it was actually formed out of desperation. Um, and I thought of that today as I was thinking about doing this podcast and how like that's actually the word that I will start using for it. Is it, it was formed out of desperation. Um, I love advising and I love serving students, but I, I was in a like something had to give. And um, in fall 2017, I had experienced some pretty intense student situations, kind of like the ones um, Lizzie and Edna, Renee, and Olivia all described <laughs> just now. And um, I didn't have good boundaries and or well-being practices. And I brought up frustrations at the region six conference, it was the conversations with Nakata leaders with then president, Amy Sands, and just said like, y'all need to help us. (laughs) We're kind of drowning out here. And she said, well, I I think you should try to create this advising community. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, And that's when it was born. It's been, um, so that was May of 2018 when, so it was fall and then in May of 2018. That's when I had that conversation with Amy Sands. And I think all of you kind of answered her call because she wrote something in like Fridays with Nakata, I think is what she had. And um, so I think all of you have been with me since the beginning, pretty much, haven't you? And they're all nodding their heads. <laughs> um which I'm very grateful. Other people answered that call and were like, yeah, we, we think this is important as well. Um, because and just to paint how bad fall 2017 was for me in, um, August of 2018. So a year later, I remember sitting on the porch with my husband and I was like, I just, like, I just can't breathe well. And like, my, my chest just seems tight. And he's like, yeah, it sounds like you're kind of anxious about the school you're starting. And I'm like, oh my God, how do people live this way? <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I found out I probably have anxiety <laughs> from that as well. But um. so would, who wants to start about like your journey to this community? I don't think Lizzie has started yet. So Lizzie, why don't you start? Well, okay then.
4: (laughs) Uh, I I don't know. I think we're all probably going to have similar stories as to how we came to this community. I think Casey, you said it perfectly out of desperation. Um, I think I had done a lot of like research and looking into self-care for advisors, um, because my master's work is in counseling and self-care was a constant conversation. Um, but then when I got into advising, um, it wasn't that way. It was almost like if you got to burnout, um, or empathy fatigue, it was like, cool, you've made it into the club. And I felt like that was totally backwards, um, that like, okay, I'm only now a part of this club because I've burnt out. Um, and actually, Casey, I had a really similar experience to you where I had a physical call that said, you gotta do something different, my friend, um, or something's not gonna happen. And for me, it was um, I, my level of stress from that year, um, also in 20, I think it was 2017 going into 2018. It was almost exactly, you were talking and I was like, yes, that's me, it's the exact same timeline. Um, uh, my stress started to manifest in my stomach and it started to like revolt on me to the point that like, I thought I had an allergy or I was dying. Um, that's, that's dramatic, but, um, nothing I did was working. Um, and I got to a point where, uh, I think I looked at my husband at the time and he's like, I think you're a little stressed out. Um, and something's not going well. And I think I'd had similar experiences where, um, I was dealing with a lot of really difficult student situations. We had a lot of turnover and change in our office happening at that time. And we were just in such a place of um, disarray, (laughs) that's probably the best way to put it, that I think I saw that call go out on a Friday and was like, these are my people. I have to be a part of this. Um, I have to talk to other people about this because I wasn't getting that kind of, Um, recognition and support where I was at, of people recognizing that this was an important topic or even really wanting to talk to me about it. Or if I said I wasn't okay, it was like, stop the presses, what's going on? Um, And that just was so backwards to me. Um, And so I really appreciated getting in at the start of this. And I remember meeting with you all at the the annual conference in Kentucky. And I think we had lunch together. And just like kind of started doing what we're doing now. Just like talking about how we came to this. It was like, oh, these are my humans. Um, these are my people. They get me and they understand where I'm coming from. And um, so, yeah, just des- out of desperation and physical pain. I came to you all lovely humans.
1: I'm glad we found you. I'm sorry you had to have a similar situation. <laughs>
4: well, I'm sorry you had to have that situation, but I'm glad we found each other.
1: Yes, definitely. Edna Renee,
3: did did you want to share? Sure. Actually, I think my path is slightly different um, in that I was very lucky um, in some ways to have a really good supervisor. So everyone in supervision, please listen. Um, Our office had gone through some things. High turnover is normal in advising. So some of these problems were there pre-pandemic. we had gone through another period of having lost a lot of people, gone through a pretty rough summer. We lost someone who actually told people, I'm burned out and I'm leaving. And so other people were going to other supervisors and was like, I don't want that. I just started. I don't want to be burned out and leaving. What do I do? Um, And my supervisor in Talking with the team, we had we did this whole survey about how we were feeling, and she's like, "Oh, they're all in bad places. This is not good." Um, so she brought in someone from the well that normally talks to students <laughs> to talk to us about well-being, and then she made it our team mission, still one of our team values of, of of wellness and self-care. And so, not only is it a team, was it a team value? We held each other accountable. So we'd be like, what are you doing? What did you do this week? Did you follow through? Um, so it became a self safe place to be like, no, I need to take care of myself. Um, and, and seeing beautiful. how that helped my team and then seeing other colleagues and other places around me who didn't have that, I was, I was like, no, this needs to be important. We need to talk about it. Um, what is my university doing? what is Nakata doing? Um, and then when I saw this, I'm like, oh, good. This is something we need to talk about. Not everyone has a supervisor who cares. And I might not have a supervisor who cares forever. Um, so let me get involved. Um, so I tell people all the time with our community, we were not psychic. We did not see the pandemic coming. We just became a real thing right before we were really, really, really needed. But we were needed before then. Um, so, but yeah, I kind of, came because I had a really good supervisor and realized everybody should.
1: Yeah, That's fantastic. And thank you for um, mentioning that, Edna Renee. So we became official, official March of 2020, um, which of course we all know what happened in March of 2020 um, with the pandemic. But um, yeah, so thank you for uh, mentioning that the timeline, while it seemed to coincide (laughs) with the pandemic, we were actually, the process of it was before then. Um, How about you, Olivia?
2: So my answer and journey is similar to Lizzie's. I read that email from Amy and I was like, okay, I think this is meant for me. Um, I had only been in advising for two years at that point, and I was already feeling burnt out and overwhelmed because I didn't know that this was quote unquote normal in advising, which I don't know if it should be considered normal. Oh, hey, you're going to be stressed and overwhelmed all the time. Um, so I responded and then was connected to Casey and was part of that informal little group in the hallway in um, Phoenix back in fall of 2018, um, helping kind of put out the word there um, and haven't looked back since. And when Casey was putting together the steering committee, I decided, well, I want to do something with research, the big scary R word. um, And I wanna write and I want to get more stuff out there. So I took the leap and decided I'm gonna sign up and be the co-lead for that. Um, And I've been with the group ever since. And it truly, this advising community has become my home within NACADA that it has helped me go through two job transitions during the pandemic and was truly my lifeline about um, six nine months ago when i was starting to hit a breaking point in march of 2021 um and so i'm very grateful that i have found this group and have been able to find my people that are having these conversations that i thought i was just thinking about constantly in my own head and not realizing. No, know, this is a real thing and it's happening on a lot of different campuses. We just aren't talking to each other. So very grateful.
1: So would you say um, self-care and how do you differentiate between self-care and well-being? Are they the same? Is it like the chicken versus the egg? What um, what, what do you all think? And whoever wants to start, please feel free to.
4: I see them differently. Um, I I personally think that self care, um, or personal care, however you want to say it, um, I think are the actions that you do to maintain or enhance your well being, and that well being is that overall, at least to me, whole health. Um, and self-care is the actual action that you're taking to do that. Um, and then I think your wellness is affected by whatever you choose or not choose to do or choose not to do, however you want to say that. Um, so I see them differently. I I definitely think they go hand in hand. Um, and I think they're partners. Um, I personally
1: see them differently. Um, so that being said, and I, have asked Edna Renee this before, and I think Olivia, Lizzie, this will be new for you, but do you view self-care or personal care as being part of your professional development?
4: Yes, (laughs) um, is the short answer to that. Um, I think it should be, whether it's um, currently um, thought of as professional development. um, I don't know. Um, I personally think that it should be. I think when you talk with a supervisor, I am fortunate to have a very supportive supervisor. Um, and that's a conversation that we're having a lot actually, um, is how, how are you caring for yourself and, and how does that affect how you show up for the team? Um, and I think for us, it's, it's considered professional development because it's considered, we talk about it when we're talking about our professional, when I'm talking about my professional goals and growth. Um, and I appreciate that, that it's, it's not considered extra or indulgent or something that I have to take a break from work to do. I think we can do it at work. Um, And then I'm also encouraged personally to take time, like use my sick time, which I hate doing. Mentally, I struggle with that, but um, I appreciate that I have a supervisor that does allow that and push that and does say, like, no, this is professional development. If you take this day, you're going to show up better for us tomorrow. Um, and and I think, therefore, I am a better professional. So I think to me, yes, it is.
3: I, I smile when, when Casey mentioned this because um, this actually came up in um, a Tuesday Tea Talk that the um, advising training and development community put on. And someone asked, um, we were talking about professional development for some reason, I forget why. And someone asked, um, is, is self-care professional development? Um, and I think Dane was running it with me. And I was like, okay, Dane is laughing in the corner because he knows what else I do in nakata And he knows my bias. And my answer is yes. Um, but I said, the hardest part, I think sometimes is getting especially higher up administrative people to see it that way. And so when I was talking to people about, well, how do you get people to realize what this is? I said, you need to talk about it in terms of advisor retention um, and numbers and turnover. And if you present it to them that way, then they might be more willing to see it as, oh, this is professional development. Oh, um, this is something that we need to allow people to do. But while your colleagues might be like, yes, automatically I'm already there with you, the higher-ups, you really may need to present it as a retention issue. Um, And then they tend to listen.
2: And then I would take it a step further of not only is it your own professional development, but with that, it's organizational development that... An individual advisor can only be at their best if they are supported and have a community where they're allowed to be their best, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Um, That when you think about it, when you start a new job, you are given the tools, you are given the training, but you should also be given a community where you're able to do your job as well. Um, That we can only do so much that we also need that support from the other end as well because if we can't do our job and be expected to meet with 10 students a day every day for upteen weeks we're not going to be able to do that forever we're going to get burnout we're going to be like i've hit a wall i'm done i'm moving on and then that in turn affects our students so i always think about the research of attrition in student affairs and thinking about, well, I'm now finishing out my sixth year, so I've made it through that group of who leave within the first two to five years that I've made it to that next level. Um, And I have about four years before I reach that group um, who will be retained for the rest of their careers. So um, it's not just us, but I think it's a structural issue. As well and should be tackled from all levels. Casey, if I could add
4: one more thing there, I think what what came to mind while both Enra and Olivia were talking, I think is I think prioritizing self-care as professional development is valuing people and showing them and telling them you're important and you're valued. And I think if the organization, the department, the supervisor, can show, hey, I value you. I think it gives the individual the permission to value themselves and say, I'm worth more than the time I spend in my chair. I'm worth more than the amount of students that I see. And I. it's okay for me to take time to care for myself. And I think that's what it comes down to for me is, is what are we doing to value our people and show them that they are, have worth.
2: Go ahead. Well, and one thing that I do want to emphasize and encourage people, if you're just taking the first step of thinking that it's professional development, like Lizzie said, taking those days off that up until the pandemic taking days off was a no, no for me, unless it was specifically for a family vacation or something. But last year I Could not do that. I had to take a mental day each month, one a month, not asking a lot of myself, but I knew I wasn't going to be able to help those eight to 10 students in that day that I might have been working um, because I wouldn't have been my best. And that wasn't encouraged or brought to me by my supervisor It was actually brought um, from one of my colleagues, one of my coworkers, and she was very adamant, Olivia, you need to schedule in January, she's like, okay, do you have your dates for the spring semester? Do you have it on your calendar? And I was like, no, Anna, not yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I went right away and plugged it into my calendar. And for just one day, I didn't do anything. Again, I was on my couch listening to music, reading, napping, and then I came back that Monday, ready to go um, and take on a new week. So very strong encourager of a mental health day if you are able to, or advocate yourself to be able to take those days.
1: Yeah. Thank you both. Um, I feel, so one thing I feel like was kind of a hurdle for us was, um, being and self-care have kind of been, what's the word, um, co-op, is that the right, maybe by like yoga and, um, Wine and bubble baths and all of that, which it can be wonderful, right? <laughs> but um, that w- I feel like that was something we had to really advocate for as a community. Is like, no, well being and is really important for advisors. Um, so have you seen this one is, is, I think Edna Renee specifically asked me to ask this question. Have you seen examples of well-being good or bad in pop culture and how, like, what's your favorite form of, to, um, I guess, treat yourself. There's a good example of well-being and self-care in pop culture. Um, uh, so what, what is your favorite way to, to show yourself well-being? or
3: self-care? I, I will jump into this because this is partly my fault. Um, first off, um, some people from Region 8 and 9 might be saying this voice is really familiar. During your virtual regional conference, I did 25 minutes of self-care in Hamilton. So obviously I can find good and bad examples in self-care everywhere. Um, I'm trying to see if I can possibly do it for Region 2. Um, but. Uh, One thing that really hit me during the pandemic is um, Mattel created a Barbie that they called Self Care Barbie. And at first I was really excited. I'm like, yes, we're embracing this issue. The problem is that Self Care Barbie is really spa Barbie. If you break down what this Barbie is, it's basically a Barbie who spends all day in the spa. So it's like all her spa treatments and everything. And besides the fact that that's expensive, self-care is not just i spent four hundred dollars in two days in the spa um, but that's kind of what was being sold and so uh, i was a little sad that that was what was being sold so i went from happy to sad Um, i do think there is now a commercial side of self-care with the pandemic people are seeing money And in Virginia, even our ABC stores are seeing money. They have year after year, even before the pandemic, especially after, made a lot of money on alcohol sales uh, during the pandemic. Um, I guess for me, um, one of the things I did for self care um, in the last year, I hear everyone saying, "What do you drink for self care?" I got a therapist. Well, I went and got a life coach, um, which is not a therapist, um, but which is something else different, and. That's been wonderful. Yes, that did also cost money. But that wasn't just, you know, sit in the spa. It's think about who you are. What do you want to do? What are you good at? How do you capitalize on that? How do you take risks, Miss Risk Averse? um, How do you step tiptoe into other things? And those have been some of the most energizing, um, relaxing happy conversations. I've been able to go into some really hard conversations after meeting with my coach um, even though she's not coaching me on anything related to advising at all. Um, So I think that's been one of my favorite things. That and a book um, I'm reading all the time. My nose is always in a book. Um, So I would say probably my life coach and the book. And libraries are free so reading can be free self-care.
4: I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about how self-care has been portrayed in pop culture. Uh, and I think what I'll say about it is um, I think if you're doing something to avoid something, so if it's an avoidant behavior, it's not self-care. So and, and really you're talking about alcohol sales. If you're drinking to avoid something, or you're shopping to avoid something, or you're eating to avoid something, whatever you're doing to avoid something, it's not self-care. Um, and I would I would encourage you to think about that. Um, been there, done that um, in a lot of ways. I think it's because you're, you're just trying to take a break from your life and say, I need this break. Um, but I would argue that it's not something that is self-care because when you're done with the action, you don't feel better. It doesn't enhance your well-being. I think, at least to me, when I've done something that I know is avoidant behavior, I feel worse at the end of it. Um, and I know that it's not self-care because I feel worse about whatever form of life, whether it's personal, um, physical, emotional wellness. Um, I think the other thing that I get frustrated about with pop culture is if what's being pitched as self-care ends up shaming somebody that's also not self-care. And so I think what's challenging for me sometimes is I find that exercise is a form of self-care for me. It is not always fun. It is not always easy. But my body and mind are in a much better place if I do prioritize that exercise. And what's challenging for me is I think there's there's messages out there of like, have you done your exercise today? If you haven't, what's your excuse? And why are you making excuses? And that's shaming. Um, because I'm a nine month old and she does not always let me have time for that sort of thing. And if then the message is, well, you failed today because you didn't do your exercise or you made an excuse. Well, then what's the impetus for me to keep trying to do it? I'm just being shamed for not getting my exercise in where maybe I did what was better for my family and my emotional well-being, which was snuggling my child. Um, and so I think those are those are the negatives that I've seen in, in pop culture. And I think finding something that does make you feel good, whatever it might be, is what self-care is. And this and I think what's also important to say about this is that it changes. And I think everybody has gone through that in the pandemic. But I think as you go through different phases of your life and you go through, Various structural changes, like your self-care is going to change. And I know I'm personally in that moment of change because pandemic, and then I also had a baby in the pandemic. Um, And so my self-care is entirely different. Um, And I've only just recently got back into exercising because again, my body and brain told me I needed to. Um, It is not always pretty. I don't always enjoy it, but I do feel so much better for it. Um, So that would be my self-care as well as privately having my own cup of coffee. Um, Again, nine month old doesn't usually let me have a a hot cup of coffee. And so I was nerding out before we started this about uh, my new coffee cup that stays nice and hot. So uh, if I can have a private moment uh, just to myself, those are um,
1: really important moments for me. Olivia, do you have anything to add?
2: Yeah, so something that came up on Twitter, shout out to Jake Rudy, one of our other steering committee members, um, he retweeted a thread from someone who's a young adult uh, fiction writer. And she said, burnout doesn't happen overnight, which means you can't cure it overnight. It's not a take a bath, read a book, eat some cake kind of thing. It's the result of repeated stress, toxic work habits slash expectations, poor personal boundaries, et cetera. And so I think that is something that ties in with this idea of well-being and self-care and pop culture is it's not an immediate fix that it took a while and it took a process over a certain amount of time to get you to the point where you were burnt out. And so we need to then reverse the process that's going to take time as well. And it's not going to get fixed by taking a bubble bath, um, doing a yoga routine. Um, So I just wanted to point that out, that that thread was timely. And again, something outside of our field as well, too, since this is something collectively that we're going through with the pandemic. Um, And so for me, for self-care, it comes back to trying to schedule things that my top strength is discipline followed by deliberative. So I like to have a plan, which isn't always something that I can control, um, which the pandemic has again, proven that time and time again. Um, So for me, self-care is reading, which was not a self-care practice in grad school. Grad school made me hate reading, which was one of my favorite hobbies growing up. So um, once I got that love back reading 30 minutes a day, just to escape the real world, even though a lot of what I'm reading now is history books. So it's still the real world, but it's escaping to a different time. Um, and also running because when I get on the treadmill, it's just me and challenging myself to see how far can I go in a certain amount of time. Nothing else really matters. Nothing's going on in my head. It's just me trying to beat the clock. Um, and so that's my self-care and again, trying to do that, but at the same time, letting myself not, if I don't want to, if I'm not feeling up to it, I don't have to, and I can go to bed early and that's taking care of myself just as much. Um, And so those are all of my self-care habits as of right now, which like Lizzie said, will likely change in the future. And you just have to find what works best for you.
1: Yeah. I love all of these answers. I also like to run. um, And I've noticed when when I am very stressed like my legs just feel like they need to (laughs) they need to be moving um we had a family a death in the family in September and I remember I told my husband "I, I just I need to go for a run it's not going to be like I need to go far and I just need to like have that time to think and that's if anyone has read the book Burnout, I know Edna Renee, Olivia, and I think all of you have, and Lizzie, um, by uh, doctors Emily and Amelia Nagaski, they talk about completing the stress cycle, and that's how I complete my stress cycle is by going going for a run. I also um, Edna Renee mentioned seeing a therapist, or that other people have talked about seeing a therapist, and that's what I do as well. Um, so i think we uh, we've covered a lot today (laughs) um and i think we were only supposed to be like 30 minutes but we're hitting close to that hour mark sorry matt (laughs) Um, so we've covered a lot of ground today and we've really just hit the tip of the iceberg our future episodes will include a discussion on gratitude versus toxic positivity talking with students about their well-being which we touched on today but we'll dig a little deeper into that um well-being and diversity equity and inclusion work um retention and burnout and then we'll wrap up the series by asking where do we go from here um so thank you all for the rich conversation and i i enjoyed talking with all of you i hope matt enjoyed listening to all of us <laughs> um can I ask some some quick questions that they have to answer? Okay, so just rapid fire. I think I'm stealing that from Renee Brown's Unlocking Us podcast. <laughs> um, what are you reading right now, if you are reading?
3: I- <laughs> I just finished Hillary Clinton and, and Louis Penny's um, book, State of Terror, um, which was great, but stressed me out a little bit, but still great. Um, uh, so, and I just finished before that um, Louis Erdrich The Sentence, which I've been recommending to Casey, um, which is a very different way for me at looking at kind of the pandemic and George Floyd. Um, so, those are the two things that that I just finished. I'm reading Bill Clinton and James Patterson's second book right now. Personally, think Hillary and Louise's book was better, um, but that's what I'm doing right now.
1: Have you read Stacey Abrams'
2: book?
3: Um, Not yet. Um, it's on my long, long list of things to read at some point. <laughs> um,
2: I also recently read State of Terror. I read that over Halloween weekend because it was a good terror and scare. Um, but I'm currently reading a book called Saving Italy. It is about the Monuments Men during World War II, um, saving and getting all of the art um, throughout Europe that the Nazis had taken and hidden away. So almost done with that.
4: And I'm in the completely opposite direction of when I read for fun, I read fantasy books. Um, So I just finished reading the Shadow and Bone trilogy, um, which was delightfully wonderful. They also have made the, first book into a Netflix show so I go into like I want to go to another world I want to escape mine sometimes contrary to what I said about not escaping things but
3: (laughs) um
1: okay and what are you listening to
3: I'm almost always listening to my my favorite artist um who also happens to be an author who also happens to be my life coach uh so I'm always listening to M. Greiner um but I did find out that Rob Thomas has a Christmas album, which I just ordered, because there's an obsession in our house with Christmas music. We have a ridiculous amount. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to hearing um, Rob sing Christmas songs.
2: I would say for me, since Matt's here, Adventures in Advising, <laughs> big fan. I always, I always listen. Um, but then music-wise, um, this is going to sound a little silly, but the K-pop band BTS came into my family's life and we just went and saw them in LA. Um, so that was very exciting. They have become our emotional support music group during the pandemic. Um, and then of course I couldn't go without saying today, um, Ms. Taylor Swift, the birthday girl herself, um, still always listen to her music all the time. Can't escape it.
4: None of that was silly. Um, I tend to listen to books or podcasts. Um, I tend to fall asleep when I listen to music. Um, so anything by Brene Brown, she's fantastic. Um, but her Unlocking Us um, series, she did a couple of specials with her sisters, which I thought was really cool. Um, so I just finished listening to that. Um, and when I'm not listening to that podcast, um, Harry Potter on Audible, because that is a fantastic go-to. I, um,
1: I listen to quite a few podcasts. When I have the chance, and this summer I listened to Smartless, List, and they had Darius Rucker on, and it like made me remember how much I love Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> and so I've been listening to a lot of Hootie and the Blowfish lately. <laughs> um, and then I also love Taylor Swift, Lizzo, at, like all the, all of those. And I and my so my almost seven year old loves the song good as hell (laughs) and she sings along with it and um this is why we can't have nice things
3: (laughs) which i'm like oh that's appropriate (laughs) casey really quick funny story about good uh good as hell um and lizzo well actually i wrote a parody a song "The truth hurts about advising which i'm not gonna sing here but um It was part of my life coaching totally unrelated it was in my head and i wrote it um so yeah so i had a little little lizzo moment thinking about advising so
1: i want to
4: hear that (laughs) yeah can you share that at our next meeting or at least the text of it that would be awesome i can i won't
3: (laughs) sing it but i can share it
1: excellent all right matt i can finally i'll hand it back over to you unless you want to answer the questions what are you reading and what are you listening
0: to oh yeah i guess yeah <laughs> i can definitely do that <laughs> so reading wise i just finished the book called the extraordinaries so it i'm very much a fiction person so this is a shout out to josh line road from like erie college uh, so it deals with superheroes and very well done and then um just reading the uh, hawkeye series by matt fraction which is I guess a lot of it's pulling into the Disney plus um, Hawkeye show for Marvel. And then what I'm listening to, um, I just watched La La Land the movie for the first time. So I've been listening to that soundtrack on repeat for the last two days. (laughs) Thank you for uh, including me in that. Yeah. Great stuff and nicely done. And to rephrase that you are the experts when I mentioned that it's more that people will look to you for help, advice, guidance, and clearly you have a lot of knowledge and and suggestions based off your research that you've done and your experience as well. Um, and I like what you said, Edna Renee, about you know sometimes you find yourself still attending meetings when you're on vacation. So we're always learning, always learning how to take care of ourselves. And you know sometimes just taking that deep breath or taking a few minutes is very, very much important. But also thank you everyone for defining in your own ways between self-care and wellness and also that we really need to advocate for ourselves and what is and is not self-care. So we have reached the end of this episode of Nakata Presents, and we hope you gain some tips and what might work best for you to implement. Casey, Lizzie, Edna, Renee, Olivia, this was fantastic. Thank you for doing this. And this is the first in a series of our wellness episodes. Check back for more episodes, take care, and keep advising.